Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack. Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life. I'm Ryan Pack, and this is a podcast where I interview a guest about a soundtrack that they feel personally connected to. Today, I will be talking to Katie Ohashi, host of the Wonderful World of Disney Villains podcast, which you can find on all major podcast platforms. I met Katie through the Asian Podcast Network, so I'd like to give a special shout out to Jerry Wan for putting that together. Uh, Katie, why don't you tell us about your podcast? Yeah, so the Wonderful World of Disney Villains podcast is kind of like your Disney scholar research-based podcast about Disney. So looking at the social identities of Disney characters, the Disney realm um, itself for each movie, each theme, whatever it may be, and looking at, you know, who have um, privileged, oppressed, you know, et cetera, identities. Why do we represent a fantasy world in this way when fantasy can be about anything that it wants to be about, but we seem to reflect it based on today's society or, you know, the past society as well. So just looking at it from a research standpoint, also looking at it from a diversity and equity standpoint, and just kind of discussing about, you know, what ifs and the ways that Disney has been improving on diversity work in their movies, representation, why it matters and things like that. So today we're going to talk about the soundtrack to the 2014 Broadway soundtrack to Aladdin. Yes, yes. So Katie, why are we talking about this musical today? Yeah, so I have a very personal, I guess, relationship with the original 1992 version of Aladdin. I grew up watching that movie. I watched the TV series. It was literally like the only thing I probably watched for a really long time. And I was just obsessed with the characters and the... I would say the soundtrack, especially the instrumental and the action adventure of it all and and seeing, you know, these characters who at the time was was the closest I could relate to because Mulan had not come out yet. And so when the Broadway version came out, I am a sucker for Broadway musicals or just anything musical like I'm just a sucker for the singing, the dancing, the acting and also just the social aspect of it where all these people are together and they're working hard together and they're practicing together. And I just always wish I could be in that, but I don't sing, dance or act. So that was kind of um, my way secondhand to kind of see it, but not necessarily be in it. And then, so the 2014 version soundtrack of Aladdin, I've, or the Broadway version, I've seen the Broadway play three times, once in New York, where I purposely saved up all my money to go see it because I told my parents, I want to see this with the original cast. And for the most part, I did see it with the original soundtrack cast, um, except Courtney Reed and James Monroe Englehart was, were not there. Um, they were on vacation or something. But the rest of the cast was there. Jonathan Freeman was there, who's the original voice of Jafar. And I was like oh my God, it's him. And I like got the chills and everything. And then I saw it two more times after that in Seattle when they were on tour. And it was the original actor of Aladdin because he went on tour. So Adam Jacobs. And then the original actor who played Iago is originates from Seattle. Like he's from Seattle. So he purposely like flew from New York to Seattle to perform at all the Seattle shows, which I thought was awesome. And I believe uh, before the podcast, you mentioned that the show actually originated in Seattle, correct? Yeah. From my knowledge, they did the test run in Seattle back, I think it was 2011. And it was just a test run to see if this would be successful, if it could be a Broadway musical. And I think most of the original cast was in it um, at that time. You can actually find like little snippets on YouTube of, of them doing different songs but then yeah in 2014 they were like yeah it's successful we're gonna go with it they did all the practices the recording and then it premiered on broadway in new york yeah and it was actually nominated for a tony award as well yeah which is amazing i mean i feel like it's so hard to get recognized um but i mean i guess it is disney so maybe disney has a bit more in than than other new and upcoming musicals i don't know it won for Best Performance by a Featured Actor in a Musical for James Monroe Eigelhart. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's also like really famous. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a diehard Broadway musical. Like I'm, I'm still somewhat new. Like I just listen to as much as I can, and I try to watch the Tony Awards when I can. But I don't know everything about that world. But from what I had gathered, he's really, really popular, really famous. He's also in the Tangled TV show. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I didn't know that Tangled had a TV show. <laughs> well, he's in that. A lot of Broadway stars um, are apparently in that. Um, Jeremy Jordans is also in it. He's from the Disney musical, Disney Broadway musical Newsies. He was the okay. Star yeah. So there's, there's it makes a lot. sense. Yeah, it makes it makes total sense. But yeah, he's in that. He's in a lot of other things too. I saw him on Gotham recently, <laughs> just like a a cameo, and I was like, oh, he looks really familiar. Oh, that's. That's crazy. So yeah. he's cro- he's crossed over into like TV film as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see that he was also in Hamilton. He's not in the original cast, but oh yeah, he uh, Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Oh, he was also in uh, three episodes of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yeah. See, we're learning all new things here. Uh, which is funny because he plays Titus's rival, and Titus is basically a failed aspiring Broadway actor. So he's oh, basically kind of playing a parody of himself. Yeah. Huh. You know, the slightly more successful Titus who actually got to be in some Broadway stuff, even though he's actually just a big yeah. deal on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So you're familiar with the Broadway musical. You're familiar with the 1992 mm-hmm. animated film. Uh, what are your thoughts on the 2019 live action remake of Aladdin? Um, yeah, it's actually been a question that a lot of people have been asking me recently. And I mean, I didn't like it originally. And I think that's what a lot of people do say about it. Cause usually the people who ask me feel very strongly against the movie, but I'm also the person who likes every storytelling or every version of Aladdin. So I originally watched it, didn't like it. I obviously thought it was way different, but it's also kind of like if you listen to the original Broadway soundtrack for like Wicked, Lion King, Aladdin or, or, or whatever, and then you actually go and see it like on tour or wherever, it's obviously going to be very different from what you were always listening to. Like my family members, I should say, who watched Hamilton or listened to Hamilton over and over and over again. And then they saw it on the screen. They were like, oh, they say this differently or they sing this differently. I don't like it. And so it was kind of like that for me. And I really didn't like that Jafar didn't sing at all. Because one of the things I love about the 1992 and the Broadway versions is that Jonathan Freeman sings and he has a great voice and he has all these different tones and textures and different um, like ups and downs with his voice. That's what I love, the theatrical part of it. And so I was looking at this guy and I'm like, you're not going to sing at all. Not one word is going to come out of your mouth, but everybody else sings. And I mean, I learned to accept it and move on. I did originally really love, and I still love Naomi Scott's song, Speechless. I thought that was great. I liked that she was in it more. I liked that she had ambition and she had goals and that she wanted to be the ruler, which the TV series does kind of show, um, if anyone's familiar with it. It does show that she she's kind of helping Aladdin to become Sultan and he doesn't want it. And so she's kind of taking the reins, but while still guiding him along the way. And I really liked the main actor. I liked Mina and I thought he was great. I thought he looked like him. I thought he portrayed realistic characteristics. Like you're not being someone who's poor. You're not going to be overly cocky and confident walking in the door dressed as a prince to a Sultan. That's just my opinion. I would not be comfortable. I wouldn't even know like how to act, how to move, how to walk. And he showed that, I thought, in a very realistic way. Whereas the 1992 version, he just strolls in all cocky and confident being like, yeah, I'm a prince. Look at me. And, you know, waving his cloak around and stuff, which is great. And it makes him seem charismatic. But it's also not realistic to the fact that he is self-conscious and he's trying to impress a princess. So I thought the the 2019 version did a very did a, a way better job at that and just showing all the different scenes with him and Jeannie and Jeannie trying to show him to be confident and and just trust in himself and be himself. Like I really like that message and the way that it was portrayed. I actually did really like Will Smith as a genie. I know a lot of people had issues with that and I felt like a lot of it was about his 
skin color and being blue versus african-american black i don't i don't know but i thought he did great i actually like the the what is it the rendition of friend like me that he did with his own you know fresh prince of bel-air vibe i liked all that yeah i guess my only thing was you know it's not exactly like the movie but no you know second movie or you know remake of a movie ever is to begin with it's different different characters different time different lens different directors and writers so it's always going to be different i mean if you look at cinderella there's there's a million versions of cinderella if you look at beauty and the beast you know they all have different versions people like them for different reasons people don't like them for different reasons though that's my long take on how i feel about the movie i've watched it a million times since then and i've grown to like it a lot I'm surprised that the 2019 remake didn't incorporate any of the songs really from the Broadway version. Yeah, I am too. But maybe it was because they incorporated their own song and redid something. I mean, I gotta say, so I was rewatching all of these and listening to all of them. I was like, man, Alan Menken, he jumped in at like such an opportune time where, you know, in 2014, he got to, you know, make the Broadway version album. And then in 2019, he got to make the new movie version album and basically do everything that he had originally made, but in a new way. And like way to make bank, you know, way early in your career for things that were going to be remade later on that you could just jump on and be like, yeah, I was the original composer for this. So I'm just going to, you know, I just thought that was like super lucky of him. But yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised too, but maybe they just wanted something different. Maybe they wanted to stick with the original movie more. I mean, right. it's, it's a lot easier to have a monkey on a movie set than it is to have on a live stage. True. And by the way, Mencken also composed music for The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, yes. um, Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules. So, yep. you know, during, I don't know if I'll, I consider it the golden age of Disney animation. Oh, me too. He he was behind all that music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the bringing back the musical and bringing back the musical in a way that people enjoy it and want to go back and see it again. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess for the song "Speechless" from the mu- from the live act, sorry, mm-hmm. yeah, "Speechless" which is from the remake, yes, the live action remake. Um, that was written by Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. Yes, and they are known for writing songs for like Dear Evan Hansen and La La Land. Yeah, which I love. I love Dear Evan Hansen. I don't think there was a dry eye in the theater when I went to go see that one. Don't get me started on La La Land. That's a whole podcast episode by itself. Yeah, I haven't. I purposely haven't seen it yet. Because just, yeah, I'm still still processing my way to be able to see. I know it came out a long time ago, but it's just not my priority right now. So I'll get there someday. But yeah, I love I love the song Speechless. I didn't know Naomi Scott had such a range to her voice, as I'm sure most people didn't know. The only thing I really knew her from was from the Power Rangers movie. She was the pink Power Ranger, but I didn't really know her from much before. And actually, what was really funny is, so right after, I would say a little after the movie came out, I I was pregnant, and we were thinking about baby names, and Naomi came up because we had seen Aladdin, and we were like... Oh, we kind of like the name Naomi, you know, if, if we had a girl ever. Like, that's unique. That's different. But then we, you know, we didn't have a girl. So we chose to choose a different name. Not that, you know, names matter and they should be gender specific and, you know, X, Y, and Z. But that's just, yeah. Anyway, but we, yeah, we really love the song. We really loved her in the movie, especially. Uh, my family members really loved her in the movie and thought that she was, you know, she represents, you know, female empowerment and strength and overcoming this giant obstacle that's called the patriarchy and telling her that she can't do something because she's a woman and X, Y, and Z things. And so as a, as a female, it's something that I can definitely relate to, maybe not so intensely where my entire world is surrounded by men who are in charge and in government and other, but but, you know, in other ways. And I mean, I do like that she does have a female friend in this one. Not, I mean, I would say she is her best friend, but also, you know, she, it's kind of forced because she does work for her. But I, I always thought that was kind of weird in the original where there's literally like no female aside from Jasmine. 
in the original. The entire, like Aladdin's entire crew are all men. Even the carpet is considered a guy. And there's like women in the city and such, but Jasmine has no female friends until you get to the TV show. And even then, it's like one out of every like 50 episodes and there's only 80 something. So, so it's it's very few and far between. Well, that's a good point. You know, as as a man or as a boy growing up in the 90s watching these movies, I didn't really think about things like that. Yeah, and I mean, maybe it's just because, I mean, this movie is about Aladdin. It's not about Jasmine, even though she's a Disney princess and a lot of, you know, when you look at any Disney princess merchandise or even, I think they have like, they have like enchanted Disney princess, like side stories with all the princesses together and other things like that. I mean, yeah, she, I, it's technically the only movie with a Disney princess in the official Disney princess lineup, which is only like 12 or 15 girls, women. And she's the only one where she doesn't have a movie named after her because it's named after Aladdin because he's technically the star of the movie, which I get when you look at Hercules, when you look at the hunchback of Notre Dame, same difference, you know? Um, and I totally understand that, you know, it's, it's the journey of a boy into manhood or it's the journey of a man, you know, going on an adventure, trying to find love, whatever it may be. Totally understandable. Totally respect that. However, you would think he would run into at least one woman. And in the case of those three movies, not that technically Aladdin is the only one that counts as a Disney princess movie. It's only one woman and it's their love interest. (laughs) And it's like, you think there would be like a mother. You think there would be a, a friend who's a female. You think there would be, you know, X, Y, and Z things where they would interact Nope, not really, Um, which I thought was interesting. But it is the 90s, so I guess I can let it slide a little bit, but not much. I was going to say, I did read that in the original draft of Aladdin that he was supposed to be with his mother at the beginning of the movie. But then there was a bunch of rewrites, and I think they Mm -hmm. only had eight days to transform it into (laughs) what it ended up being. So I guess they just cut out a lot of women. If you watch the the behind-the-scenes for that movie, they... And this is something that I've watched over and over again because I like all the behind the scenes stuff. That's like my bread and butter is watching the audio commentaries and the behind the scenes. And I love that stuff. And I remember they said that they had written the script, they had designed the characters, and they basically had to scratch everything and start over and do it all within like what eight days or however many you were saying. And yeah, he originally had a mother and he, and that's where the song Proud of Your Boy came from. And then they deleted it because... You didn't have a mom anymore. And that's actually where the Broadway version starts, which is what I really liked. The Broadway version starts with Aladdin's mother recently dying. And so like him and his friends are talking about like, I thought you're going to, you know, better yourself for your mother. Like she only passed away like a few months ago. Like, you know, how are you holding up, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of like that because at least it showed that it was recent. It wasn't like she was just never in the picture. And and then he sings Proud of Your Boy like at least three times, but it usually changes each time. And so it kind of, you know, like adds to where he is in the story and where what he's feeling and, and how he plans to move forward all, all for his mother who passed away, which I thought was nice. Right. And it would give him a little bit more motivation, motivation. And it explains him being like a noble street rat. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because he says that he's going to stop stealing and he's you know, going to be a better person for her and he's going to change his life around and, you know, do do more to be a better person. Kind of to piggyback off uh, what you're saying about the film is, you know, Jasmine is basically just a damsel in distress. You know, maybe there's a little bit more depth to her because, you know, she actually has a voice. You know, she goes right. into the streets to <laughs> to try to have some independence. But for the most part, she is just, you know, the damsel in distress archetype and in the 2019 version it seems like they try to give her a little bit more of a motivation but she still kind of is saved (laughs) from him i mean i thought of it i thought of it in two ways so one i thought of it and i only thought of it because i i started watching the tangled tv show and in it flynn rider who's like the prince he proposed again to rapunzel and she was like caught off guard and and then all his friends were saying, like, 
you proposed to a girl who was locked in a tower for 18 years, who had no freedom, and now that she has her freedom, you want to tie her down into a relationship. And he was like, huh, you know, I never thought of it like that. Maybe I'm not going to, maybe that's why she keeps denying or, or rejecting me. And then I thought of it in the same way for Aladdin, where Jasmine is trapped the entire movie in her palace, you know, way bigger than Tower. But, you know, still, she feels trapped. She feels like her life is being controlled. And then she's finally somewhat able to escape. And then even, like, dating Aladdin, she's able to escape, like, throughout the entire TV show, through the Return of Jafar sequel. She kind of, you know, gets to be outside the palace walls a lot more. She gets to go on different diplomatic missions to different um, countries and such, if you watch the TV show. So she has more freedom, the freedom that she would have always liked to have. But then at the same time, she's also having her freedom taken from her because Aladdin's going to marry her and he's going to be the sultan instead of her. The TV show, from what I remember, and the reason why I liked Aladdin so much was that Jasmine was not a damsel in distress in the TV show. And that's why I liked it so much. And that's why I always stuck with Aladdin and Jasmine was because of the TV show. So in the TV show, she can throw knives and she can throw axes and hit her target on point. And I think Aladdin partially taught her how to fight, but she does all the fighting. And she's actually the one who saves Aladdin in some of those instances. And I remember there was one where Aladdin was kidnapped and they were like, bring the royal guard or bring the genie or whatever. And, you know, you'll be fine. And Jasmine came with genie like hiding. And he was like, oh, you just brought a princess like that's silly. And then she ended up kicking his butt. And Aladdin was like, I told you, you know, she when she's mad, you know, she gets what she wants. No questions asked. And he was like totally proud of her totally knew she had it under control knew that she was going to come save him and that she wasn't going to go like cry or beg for help from to somebody else and you know that she was going to kick butt like he knew that about her and that's what i loved about the two of them together was that confidence and that mutual respect for each other and even in other episodes there there's other episodes with jasmine as well where either she's like hypnotized or other to be the bad guy and even or Aladdin, I should say, too. And even when they're fighting against each other, they're pretty equal in combat, in acrobatics, in fighting, in fighting with or without weapons. Like, they're they're super equal to each other in every capability. So she is definitely not a damsel. And when people see her that way in the series, she always mocks them later. She'll be like, you know, I'm going to throw this harpoon. And then she'll be like, you think I'm a damsel and, and blah, blah, blah. And very sassy, which I like too. I do and don't like the movie versions. The Broadway one is a little bit better in that it does make fun of that. And the father is a lot more supportive of her being a woman and her wanting to be independent and take charge, which I, which I do like a bit more than the movie versions. And Speechless was great. You know, it definitely showed something. I don't think it showed enough. But again, just, I guess, to tie it all up, um, it is a movie about Aladdin, not Jasmine. So you kind of have to accept what you can and move on. And I totally understand why Jasmine is is not as more, cent- I mean, she's more central of a character, but not as central of a character as Aladdin. And I totally get that. The movie's about him. It's about his journey. It's about him finding himself, accepting himself, being confident in himself. I get that. So let's jump back to the musical version. Okay. Um, so I haven't seen it, but I did listen okay. to the soundtrack. And one thing that surprised me was how familiar the songs feel. Like obviously, you know, Arabian Nights and right, right. You know, you know, the big hits from the movie are in there, but yeah. even the songs that are new to the Broadway version or to the musical version, even those kind of feel familiar. Like I had to like look up the song title. And I had to like think about like, do I actually know this song or does it just sound like I know the song? So what are some of the songs that are new to the musical that jump out to you? Well, because I love Jonathan Freeman. <laughs> I like that he had another song called Diamond in the Rough. I thought it was funny the first time I saw it. And, and it was more just because of Aladdin and his facial expressions. When you, if you ever watch like, and in person, or even it, when they have it, because they're going to have it on Disney Plus soon. So whenever they have it on Disney Plus, all three times that I, and I, I mentioned this to you before, all three times that I saw the Broadway musical, 
in New York and Seattle, wherever I was at the time, was always with Adam Jacobs playing Aladdin. So I only ever saw the musical with the same actor portraying Aladdin, which I actually really love. I love Adam Jacobs. And I just liked his little quirky expressions. because So Diamond in the Rough is about um, Jafar and Iago trying to convince Aladdin to go to the Cave of Wonders with them. And in the process of singing the song, they actually are at the Cave of Wonders. So it's like the entire journey through the sand dunes is the song, essentially. And it's just saying, like, you know, like, you should do it for these reasons. You're the diamond in the rough. And Lan's like, whoa, buddy, I'm not what you think I am. This seems really sketchy. I'm I'm bouncing. And then Jafar is like, you know, oh, like, Princess Jasmine wants someone with money and you don't have it and and so you should come with me so you can get it and Aladdin's like "Mm, okay yeah sure and then he sees the cave of wonders and Aladdin looks at it and he's like yeah no I'm leaving and (laughs) because he's scared and and that's totally a realistic expression versus looking at the cave of wonders and being like yeah okay sure let me just walk through its mouth no big deal and then I think throughout the whole thing Aladdin is still skeptical that he's what they want in in being able to enter the cave of wonders so he's like uh i'm aladdin and the cave of wonders is like you know you can go in and aladdin's like oh my god my mom always said if i just applied myself then i could you know do all these things and jafar's like we're not here to learn about your self-discovery just go in there get the lamp come out and i yeah i just really like that song i thought it was different i thought it was a little bit more comical and i just like jonathan freeman's voice to be honest and that one and then the high adventure song with aladdin's friends I just thought that was like a really like upbeat, like go getter, like let's just keep going, like super fast paced, really comical as well. Like um, if you're watching it, there's three friends of Aladdin and they're on this high adventure to go save Aladdin from the, the prison dungeon. And so they go on this like comical, I guess, montage. And so they're doing all these things. They're like, running in slow motion but actually they're purposely running in slow motion so they're like running in slow motion you think they're actually running but no they're like purposely running in slow motion they're like we're not going anywhere like what's going on like aren't we there yet and then um the one of them he usually stands in the middle but i mean i think his name is omar and he i guess not to say it but i guess he's kind of like the wimp or like the one who wants to like talk things through instead of fight through things and he gets like a small sliver to his finger with a sword and he he just stands there he just stops fighting he just stands there and starts crying and they're like omar you know stop crying pick up your sword let's go and they actually meet jasmine's handmaidens so jasmine in the musical has three handmaidens who all are there to support her and guide her and they meet them and i think they end up falling in love so the three handmaidens with Aladdin's three friends end up getting together or at least it seems in that song and then they end up getting caught i think so it's like this really grand adventure they're singing all fast and they're all happy and they're like they're playing music while we're dancing and we're doing this cute montage and then they get captured so i just thought it's really comical those are the two that really stuck out to me that are that are different from the movie okay so I've seen a couple live adaptations of Aladdin. Neither of them are the Broadway musical version. So one was like, one was a community theater version with my friend's kids in it. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I have seen the uh, live version that they used to have in a theater at uh, California Adventure at Disneyland. Mm, yeah. And what was really cool about the California Adventure uh, Theater, which is now playing Frozen, is they would have which, which is not a surprise right it's the yeah. next biggest <laughs> musical so what they would do during a whole new world which is you know the big hit from the right. 1992 version if you sat in like the balcony you would see uh, a different aladdin and jasmine singing that song oh. than the actual actors on stage so they built a you know they built a magic carpet for them to you know hover around the audience with yeah but it's not the same aladdin and jasmine that play on stage i'm like a stunt double yeah and i and you know because i saw it so many times and we sat both in the orchestra or in the balcony depending on you know where we were in line i was able to like notice things like that and i thought that was pretty funny and sometimes the uh, jasmine and aladdin would be different races than the jasmine and aladdin on stage oh interesting huh 
Maybe it was just like whoever was there at the time. Yeah, I remember there was one time, and I I feel so privileged saying that. There was one time where I sat really close, and it was considered like a barrier seating where like there'd be obstacles on, like props on the stage that would block you from seeing everything. But actually, I saw everything perfectly. I went with my mom, and I remember it was the first act finale i want to say so right before the prince ali song and it was when genie gives prince ali the outfit and it was like a really quick like five second turnaround where aladdin's in the street clothes and all of a sudden he's in this prince ali outfit and i was always like i wonder how they do it because there is a lot of magic a little like magical stage things that happen throughout the musical that is is more like a magic show i would say in a sense and so I remember being like, I wonder how they did it. And so being on the side up close, first of all, I could see I'm Jacob sweating, which is one thing. And, you know, he's not wearing a shirt or nothing. So, so that was one thing. And then I actually saw him standing behind all the people. So they had like all of the, all of the, I guess, ensemble, you know, in front dancing. And he went behind them for like two seconds and I saw them stripping him so they were like taking off his vest taking his pants and they were putting all of the Prince Ali stuff on him in like a quick five second turnaround and then you know he appeared and he was in this Prince Ali outfit and he was like oh my god like that's so cool and and etc and I was like okay yeah like you know when you're at different places in the theater you can see different things which I guess another example would be if you've ever seen Lion King um, I think they have like at the beginning I think they have like little birds that they have flying above but it's really people holding like a fishing pole and they're like swinging it around to be in front of the audience or something and so every balcony area has somebody standing behind their section waving this bird around so it seems like you're you know immersed in it in the circle of life oh cool yeah i need I think, to, I need to catch up on my disney musicals <laughs> There's so many now. They just made a Tangled one, and I think they're going to make a Moana one soon, too. Oh, cool. Uh, so I know that you are a big Adam Jacobs fan, mm-hmm. but you said you've seen it a few times, so yeah. uh, why don't you talk about like the different casting choices between the different um, times you've seen the musical? Yeah, so all three times, um, Adam Jacobs was playing Aladdin, and it was more so... So the first time I went, I saved up money to purposely go to New York to see the original Broadway cast because I was like, they're not going to stay there forever. Broadway cast always, you know, switch out every couple of years or so. So I have to go see them. I have to go see Jonathan Freeman. I have to see Adam Jacobs. I have to see Courtney Reed. I have to see all of them before they leave. And for the most part, I, I was able to, there was a few that weren't there. So then, you know, fast forward a couple of years when they do the national tour, um, Adam Jacobs decided to play Aladdin across America and so I'm originally from Seattle. So he came to Seattle. I got to see him there. Don Daryl Rivera, who played Iago um, on Broadway in New York, still does, is also from Seattle. So he actually flew out to Seattle to play Iago in those productions. So I got to see those two all three times as the same characters. Everybody else was switched. So I had seen, oh my gosh, I don't remember her name, but she was... The was it understudy or the the backup to Courtney Reed's playing Jasmine when I first saw. So I never saw the original Jasmine on Broadway. And then in Seattle, I saw Isabella McCullough. I think she she was the one who played in the prom musical when they had it on like the Thanksgiving Day Parade. She was the the one who well, I guess she's known for having the first lesbian kiss on the Macy's Day Parade and. So she had played Jasmine and she's actually going to be the one who plays Jasmine in the Disney plus version. And so I'm used to seeing her cause I saw her both times. And I mean, the Disney has a very interest Disney Broadway. I should differentiate has a very interesting thing about the, uh, what they call the colorblind policy in auditions where they let anybody audition essentially for these characters. And then you don't have to necessarily fit the demographic role or look in the demographic way. I've seen Aladdin Jasmine actors be played by Filipinos, uh, Hawaiians, Asians, really just anybody who has that like tan complexion. I've probably seen play Aladdin Jasmine on Broadway. I've even seen, I've even seen um, white people play Aladdin Jasmine. I'm not saying that in, in a, a 
negative way or anything. But I know that there's like a lot of controversy with not having an Arabian or a Middle Eastern actor play and, you know, be accurately represented on stage and in fact being underrepresented across all of Broadway, probably, I would assume. And so I always thought that was interesting. So as far as I've ever seen, Jeannie has always been played by an African-American or Black actor. I don't know if it's for a specific reason or if it's just because really Jeannie, since Jeannie is blue, Jeannie could be played by any ethnicity or background. But I think that kind of goes against what the colorblind policy is to begin with. And then all the other characters have been played by really anybody. They have a very ethnically... ethnically diverse cast, I would say, where the only white person I ever really saw on the stage the three times that I did see it was Jonathan Freeman and like one other person, other than which I think it was Omar. But other than that, I don't think I've really seen a white person. I've seen, but I've seen all other races in that particular musical. It's funny that you bring that up because I've seen Hamilton a couple times on stage. Yeah. yeah. And every time I've seen it, the person who plays Hamilton kind of looks like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, I see. Yeah, I, I feel that oh, way it's about the... Be col- it's supposed to be colorblind casting, right? Like Hamilton is all about colorblind casting, but yeah. I feel like always Hamilton always kind of looks like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Not saying that they're necessarily Latino, but like for some reason they feel like the, the person needs to kind of look like him. Yeah, that and also Eliza kind of looks like Philip Sue. Yeah. Um, But I also was kind of thinking about that, too, where you always have the lighter skinned person play the lead role. And so I also kind of wondered about that, too, because I I've seen Hamilton once on Broadway in Seattle. And and then I've always seen the movie. And I always kind of thought about aside from the aside from the king. Right. uh, Being played by a white person. I always thought that the lead was this. Well, I guess the somewhat lead, because you could argue that. Oh my Amber. gosh! Yes, thank you. What is the lead, right? Because um, he narrates everything, and he's in ev- almost every scene, or if not every scene, because um, you could argue that. But I always thought, you know, I feel like media in general purposely always has the lighter skinned individual as the lead character, or the love interest as the lighter skinned, just to be more, mm, I don't know, like more desirable or other. Because I feel like western beauty is is the new standard for most regions of the world so being light-skinned being fair and all those other things so i was was curious about that i mean i would say aladdin and jasmine is very similar where the i would say every genie that i've ever seen and there's actually a youtube video where i had the where it had everybody who's played the genie together they all look like james monroe inglehart I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that. They don't all look like him, but it's just interesting that they all have similar body proportions aside from like one or two of them and that they all are bald and, you know, X, Y, and Z factors. So I always thought that was interesting. I guess that kind of touches on what you were saying. Yeah, I would say actually Aladdin's friends, the three, like the three musketeers of sorts, they do kind of look similar to the original casting where you have, but I, I don't know if that's characteristic or if it's on accident because one of the friends always talks about food and every version I've seen of him, he has like full facial hair and he has like a a somewhat bigger gut, but I I don't know if that's just because he loves food or if they purposely made him look like the original actor who played him. And then Kasim is always like the, you know, let's not to quote Mulan, but let's get down to business and let's fight them. And that type of person, he, the different versions I've seen of him, they do look similar. I've noticed now that you said that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to create any sort of controversy. It's just something I've observed. Yeah. Like, you know, I know someone who is Asian American who actually auditioned for uh, Lafayette Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. for the LA cast. So, yeah. you know, I know that they were actually trying to find, you know, whoever fit the role uh, in that case, but it's, yeah. Maybe it's just because Lin-Manuel Miranda is so iconic, you know, because yeah. everyone knows who he is and they associate him with the musical that maybe casting directors are just kind of wired to find someone that reminds them of Lin-Manuel Miranda. That's true. Yeah, I could totally see that. It's like when you see a particular movie over and over, 
you may unconsciously try to find someone who looks just like that or who acts or talks just like it. Like remakes of certain cartoons, I feel like they're probably, you know, they always say, like, oh, like Scooby-Doo, for example. You know, you're not going to cast someone if they don't sound like Scooby-Doo necessarily. Right. So maybe it's like that. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of diverse casting in the couple times I've seen Hamilton. I've seen a Korean George Washington. Me too. I saw that same person. Uh, probably the same guy. I, I believe mm-hmm. his name is Marcus Choi or something like that. Yeah. I've seen a uh, black Aaron Burr. I've seen a white Aaron Burr. Oh, um, I've seen an I've seen a Asian uh, Eliza Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I, I think Philippa Sue is half. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not on the specifics, but but uh, yeah. we saw an Asian uh, Eliza Hamilton who wasn't like super tall and skinny; like she was a little bit on the shorter side. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's nice. So I'm I'm not accusing Hamilton of not being colorblind casting. Yeah. I just feel like every time I've well, seen every a Hamilton, Broadway musical, right? right? I mean, yeah, you could argue that. I mean, it's like uh, we had talked about Frozen before. If you've ever seen uh, Frozen on Broadway in New York, they had the first African-American actor play Kristoff. I think his name is Jelani Aladdin. And then later, the under I think it's called The Understudy for Princess mm-hmm. Anna um, was also played by an African-American woman. And then right before COVID hit, Elsa was played by an African-American woman, Sierra Renee, I think. And she's actually film. She's from TV and film. But she also just happens to have like a really amazing singing voice because she was the original Esmeralda um, in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like she's the cast recording version of Esmeralda. And then she was on uh, The Flash, the superhero show, and Mm -hmm. um, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. She was a main character in that. And, And I'm sure other things too. But that's just where I originally saw her in was those TV shows. And then um, and then I saw her do the cast recording and obviously heard her voice in the cast recording for Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I was like, oh, my God, this name looks really familiar. And wow, she has an amazing voice. And then I think she was on Good Morning America where she was um, promoting Frozen as Elsa with the the blonde hair and everything. So, I mean, I, I think that we need to talk about Robin Williams and his performance in the 92 film and how that kind yeah. of overshadows every iteration of the genie. I know that you've mentioned, you know, how people were a little disappointed with Will Smith or how, yeah, people were disappointed in Will Smith's uh, 2019 performance because everyone's thinking of the Robin Williams performance. Yeah. At least that's what I think. Yeah. I think you have this idea and you have this iconic character and i mean will smith knew it too if you listen to literally any interview with him in it talking about the movie aladdin he didn't want to do this project he was like no 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 robin williams did a great job i totally respect the man you know that's you know his work that's what we all know him as that's what we all know the character as i don't want to do it and then you know with some convincing by his son and the actors and you know the directors and such he was like Mm, okay yeah i guess i'll do it um but it took convincing um at least from what it sounded like and i think originally like people just didn't give the live action movie a chance like the trailer came out and everybody started hating on it right away and then and then they came out with a trailer of mina and naomi singing a whole new world and everybody changed their mind and they were like oh no i like it now I wonder if it was just because they thought it wasn't going to be a musical and then it ended up being a musical and they were okay. I don't know. But yeah, so Robin Williams, you know, set the stage. I'm assuming it was one of the first and few times that comedians were portraying um, a character in this way where you're kind of just going off script and you're just improving left and right and, and doing impersonations left and right and I mean, I know Gilbert Gottfried is also in the movie, the 1992 movie as Iago. And I would even, you know, say that they kind of, you know, go back and forth a bit. You know, whenever Genie's not on the screen, Iago's there for the entertainment. When Iago's not there, the Genie's there. So it's kind of like you have someone funny in the scene, no matter what scene you're looking at. But in different ways, obviously, because Iago has a very different sense of humor than the Genie does. But I do think, I do think that Robin Williams kind of, set the stage for comedians 
to see themselves in this whole new world of voice acting that maybe was not done before. I mean, I wasn't born before the 90s, so I couldn't really attest to that in any way. And um, to be frank, aside from Disney movies, I don't actually really watch many things that come before, I would say, the 1970s, aside from maybe like The Wizard of Oz. But yeah, and then I know Robin Williams also sang in the movie. And I remember listening to like the behind the scenes and they were saying that Robin Williams like practiced really hard for this. I don't think he had really ever sang anything before. And I, I guess I could be mistaken, um, like a full song all by himself. And they were saying that he had practiced really hard for these songs. He would be up day and night to rehearse and do other things just to make sure that it was right and that it was good. And then I know he wasn't in the sequel, Return of Jafar. And I know that was like a a big controversy because when they had premiered the movie Aladdin, they like slapped his name on it so that they could get more people because Robin Williams was already, you know, well known at that time. And so it seemed like a lot of people were only coming to see Aladdin because Robin Williams' name was attached to it. And he didn't like that. He didn't want the promotion. He didn't want, like, the toys or the merchandise or at least that's what it seemed like. I mean, I think I think there's a documentary about him now, but I haven't seen it yet. And so he declined. And so there was another person who played the genie. I want to say his last name is Constanella or something. I can't remember. But he was also the genie in the TV series. And you can kind of tell that they're different people, that they have different voices, because I do think Robin Williams has a distinct voice, a distinct laugh. But there are other times where the acting is just so, the voice acting is just so good that it almost is like Robin Williams is still there. So I think it kind of goes, and I mean, when I was a child, I had no idea that it was a different person playing Genie. I thought it was the same person. But now I'm- Dan Castellaneta. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, who's, who's best known for being Homer Simpson? Oh, I'm so sorry, Simpsons fans. I guess I guess the disclaimer, I don't really watch The Simpsons that much, unless it's just on when I turn the TV on. Thought I'd pass point that <laughs> No, out. thank you. Uh, I was trying to think of the name. I just couldn't. I'm sorry. But yeah, like I, when I was a child, I could not tell the difference between the voices. Now, I to- I for the most part can but yeah i thought robin williams kind of set the stage for for all these things and he's such he's so iconic in general and i mean like it's kind of sad that he's you know no longer here and you know we don't get to see any more of his productions and another thing um which which i guess i should also say the same about chadwick boseman at least from the interviews it did seem like Will Smith felt a little bit intimidated by that, which I totally understand. That being said, I don't think people gave Will Smith a chance to prove it. They just saw him as being blue in the trailer and they're like, oh, no. Um, But it's like the genie is blue. So (laughs) I don't know why you're so upset with Will Smith being CGI blue because it was all technology. They didn't actually like paint him or anything as far as I'm aware. And I thought he did a great job. I thought he did, like, you know, he gave it his own flavor. He did the best that he could do. He definitely, like, switched it up a bit. And, I mean, you can argue the same if you watch the musical version. Like, the genie is not blue in the entire musical version because that would just be so much paint and other things. But each person who has ever played the genie, at least that I've seen, always plays the genie in their own way. They do their own impersonations. They do their own improv. They do everything in a different way. And I remember the last... The I guess the most recent time that I've seen Aladdin on Broadway, it was played by this really tall, really thin actor, which I thought was really interesting because I've always seen the genie as being kind of more rounded, more solid built. Um, even the animated version, even Will Smith, like Will Smith's version is like super muscular. And then the 1982 version is super squishy and, <laughs> and like a teddy bear. And so I was, I was used to that version. And then seeing the most, most recent one, I was like, oh, my God, he's this really tall, really thin, young actor playing the genie. But I thought, I mean, and I haven't seen the original actor play genie, but I was like, out of the three versions I've seen, I thought he did it the best. And not because not I'm like ableist or, you know, I believe thin is great or anything like that, but... I just thought, you know, he gave a young, fresh take. He wasn't going off of the stereotypical or even like a certain genre or a certain generation. Like I felt like maybe some of the others did where maybe they're from a similar age range. I don't even know. But I just thought he gave 
a very different take. He gave a very different voice. Um, I felt like a lot of them sound like they're comedians, even though they're Broadway singers. And I felt like this version um, had a very deep, very like charismatic voice in the singing. He didn't sound out of breath after Friend Like Me because Friend Like Me is a literal workout watching it on the stage because there's all this back and forth. It's a really fast paced song. There's all these magic tricks you have to pop in and out every here and there. Um, Aladdin disappears like on stage and then reappears somewhere else. There's like all these little things. And and then there's a huge tap dancing number at the end, um, which I think was the Tony when they went to the Tonys, that was the performance that they did. And so there's all these things. And I don't know how you wouldn't sound like you're out of breath at the end of, <laughs> at the end of all right. that. Um, they even did like an ESPN special about it where they had like a heart monitor on them and yeah, but yeah, I, I really love that one. I, I sometimes think that not sometimes I most of the time think that having a new fresh take on things is nice unless we're talking about Disney stories, in which case I think we've reiterated them so many times that it's, it's enough. We need, we need new original stories. I love the original. I love the live action, the Broadway version, the TV show, the sequel, the sequel after the sequel. But I, and, and, but I think now it's time that we move on. We have a new story. We can keep repeating these, you know, like replaying them. That's great. I don't think we need any more though. I think this is, you know, how many more times are you going to remake the same, the same exact story essentially. Thank you, Katie, for coming on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Oh, good. So this is the first episode where, you know, I've gone over a Disney soundtrack of any kind, and I'm glad that, you know, you have some really informative and interesting takes on that. Yeah, I mean, if you ever want to talk about any of the others or just Broadway in general, you know, feel free to reach back out. Please check out Katie's podcast. And how how often does that come out? I'm trying to release twice a month. So the beginning and the middle of the month. So look out for her podcast a couple times a month. It is called the Wonderful World of Disney Villains Podcast. Yes. And uh, thank you so much, Katie. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, soundtrackyourlife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.